All right, who's ready to run with some giants today? All right, hey, I'm Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors on staff, and uh, if you're new today with us, we're uh, four, five, six-ish weeks into a series uh, that we're calling Run, Running with the Giants, and what we're doing essentially is we're taking a passage, uh, sort of our theme passage for this series, and we're essentially looking at some greats from biblical days and asking them to take a step out of the cheering section to cheer us on and essentially jog a lap with us and uh, extract from them some of the things that they learned from both mistakes and some positive things they did. So uh, today we're going to look at a guy that just was like, we don't have a whole lot of good we can pull for this guy. Uh, He just, he just, he's just, we look at this guy as the ultimate guy who ran from God and when he, when he did turn back, he whined the entire way complained and whined and complained, but what we do see in this story is a a masterful picture of God's relentless grace, and it's crazy because uh, the song we just sang, how many of you guys like that song? That's just, I love the words of that. I'm not a real, I'm not a real, I don't know, songy song kind of guy, unless it's like hard, heavy rock uh, that I get fired up, but there's something about that that just moves me because that is the whole story of today's message. It's the whole story of God in his redemptive story pursuing us uh, to come after us, to bring us back to himself, not because he's mad at us, but it's just his relentless pursuit because he loved us in spite of all of our stuff, all of our junk. And so I love that song, and it's crazy because the worship team didn't know where I was going today. I, I decided uh, probably later in the week to switch today's message towards the person that we're going to pull out of the stands and get, uh, get some of his thoughts and advice for our lives now. Uh, and I was looking at the weather that helped me decide who to preach on today. So we're going to talk about a guy named Jonah, okay? A guy named Jonah. He had a little water issue in his life. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So since it's a rainy day, that's been three Sundays in a row that it's rained, we thought we'd do a little Jonah today. Just God, uh, a little felt like God would help us with a little illustration today since it's a little wet and nasty outside. So let's do this. Let's, let's pause for one second and pray and ask God to speak to us. As last week we learned, God's got a plan and a purpose for us. Could it be that you're not accidentally here for this message today, that God would want to intervene, speak to us, and take us somewhere that we haven't been before. Let's pray. God, all of us, I know, because I'm, I feel like I'm the average person here, are all going to see our, our, our stories in the larger story uh, and in the story of this guy, Jonah, of, of people who have run from you, people who have blown it, made mistakes, uh, turned our backs, gone the wrong direction, misstepped, got lost, got confused, but ultimately God got, or even got tricked, but ultimately God, we recognize that it's your reckless pursuit, the love and grace and mercy that you have for us that's brought us back to you. So Lord, as we start this conversation, I pray that your word would speak to us and that every person, every individual person that's here today would recognize 
how you're pursuing us right now. God, help us to see ourselves in the mistakes of Jonah's life and recognize where your grace is intersecting our our failures, our, our frailty, and ask God you would just lead us to be with you like we never have been before. In your name I pray, amen. Let me give you our theme verse. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's all these guys we've been pulling out from week to week to kind of look at their life and essentially ask them to jog a lap with us. Since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, their encouragement to all of us is it's throw off all the stuff that hinders, hinders us. Let's get rid of the junk that's so easily entangling us and let us run. And I love this is, their, this is like their... This is kind of like the coaches who are up in heaven, who are coaching, encouraging us to persevere, don't quit, and run the race God's marked out for us. Last week, we really did talk a lot about the fact that God's got a purpose for our lives, and we acknowledge that if you're breathing, if you are here and you're not dead, and so far today, I only killed one person with my message last hour. That's not the truth. No one died, but... People walked out yawning, so I, I'm going to try to try to fire it up a little bit, okay? You guys, can you can no one yawn and fall asleep on me today? Just kidding. No one did that last hour. Too good for that. Anyway, so it's a joke. So essentially, essentially, we know if you're breathing today and you don't die in the midst of this conversation, God's got a plan for you still. Whether you're 3, 30, or 300, if you're alive right now, God is wanting you on mission to be close and in close proximity with him. That's us. That's you and I. God has a plan for us. So in light of this guy, Jonah, today, we know in his life he's made some crazy bad choices. Raise your hand if you've never made a poor choice. All right, raise them if you've made some bad choices. All right, I got some photos of some people who made some bad choices. This is a guy doing his electrical work with his foot. You can't really see it very well. His foot's in a puddle of water, okay? That's not a good choice. I don't care if you got the breaker off or not, okay? I'm not an electrician, but I would. That's, a, that's, a, that's just like a straight-up, like, that's an accident waiting to happen, right? All right, here's another one. Here is, does anybody, okay, does anybody see anything wrong with this, all right? Right, no one. No, they're like, what? What's, what's wrong with that picture? There's nothing wrong with that. All right, here's another one. This is great, all right? That, that's just, that's like, that's one of those redneck jokes like the, the guy says, hey, y'all watch this. As all the sheet, uh, the sheets of plywood, sheetrock fly all over the highway, right? So, all right, I think we got one more. And my favorite is this right here. No, that's not no regrets. She just has no regrets after that tattoo, okay? I'm assuming that's a lady's arm. It looks so nice. And there's not a lot of guy hair in an armpit. So, uh, that's no 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 uh, regrets, okay? So that's that's some regrets after that tattoo, right? So all of us have made mistakes. This guy Jonah's just like us. Today in this conversation, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna easily see ourselves in the life of this guy, who God leads him to do something on his behalf. Who says, "Hey, my buddy, my man, my guy, hey, go with me, be on a journey with me, be on a mission with me." It's going to be better with me. Come on, go with me. And Jonah says no. He tries to go the other way. So this guy Jonah, 
Let me read this to you. Jonah 1, 1 through 5 says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God tells him. God invites him into going with him, being a part of what God's doing. God says, go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. Why? Because its wickedness has come up to me before. God's like, this, this place is messed up. They need me. And I want you to go bring me to them. So let's go. But here's the huge but. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed, what's that word? Can anybody say that out loud, real loud? Just what do you, Tarshish, Tarshish. That's a weird word. Can everybody just say that? I just want to hear you say it to me. On the count of three, you say Tarshish to me. Ready? One, two, three. Tarshish. All right, don't name your children Tarshish, okay? Now, I know people like, it's cool to name them like something out of the Bible. Just don't go Tarshish, all right? That's just kind of weird. All right, so here, here in your notes today, uh, you know what? This may not be in your notes, but I'm going to throw it up on the screen. I think Jonah would say to us, having lived his life as he's one of those guys assembled in heaven, that we're calling out today, I think he would say to us, God always gives you and I a second chance. How do we know that? Buckle up, here we go. So, Jonah, God calls him to go to Nineveh. He does just the opposite. He he says no to God. He turns his back on God and runs the other way. Now, uh, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And that, that was... Again, in biblical times, that was like northern Iraq. And they were wicked people. They were jacked up. Uh, Israel had its issues with them. And uh, they, they would, they, when they would capture you, they would either treat you like a, just, I mean, rotten, like a slave, or they'd kill you. And they would come in and they would ravage the land and just strip it down. And they were, they were just a terrible group of people. So when, when Jonah was told to go there, and God explains to us in Scripture that it was wicked people. He already knew that. He was like, I don't like them, God. You ever had a neighbor like that you didn't like? Somebody that like didn't respect the boundary somehow, and you guys squabbled over something, you know, and you had issues with a neighbor or a friend or somebody. This Jonah character has major issues with where God's just told him to go. Now, I love this because at every juncture of this story, we see God's grace intervene. That song we sing just spells out God's crazy love coming after us, climbing a mountain, he'll do anything, climb whatever, go after anything in a reckless pursuit of us. This story, you got a guy named Jonah running from God. God's grace is showing up in his life, inviting him into the story. God wants to use him. God wants to be close to Jonah. God wants Jonah to know him like nobody else right now. God and Jonah want to be, he wants them to be tight. God is pursuing the Ninevites. And what we learn out of the gate is God is always pursuing us with this unbelievable, reckless, amazing love and grace. And it doesn't matter how many times you walk away from God, how, how many times you blow it, we learn that God's grace prevails. God always gives us a second chance. So, essentially, biblically, he runs uh away from Nineveh, he's trying to go to Tarshish. Now, God said go to Nineveh, which is modern-day Iraq. He's asking him to go northwest. And he runs towards modern-day Spain, which is southeast. He's completely turning his back on and 
just giving God the finger. That's, I mean, that's what's going on here. God's deliberately spoke to this guy, and this guy wants nothing to do with where God's leading him to go. And because of that, and it's like that in our lives, God never runs from us, we run from him. Whenever we're looking around and we wonder, God, where are you? It's not because God's left the picture. <laughs> it's not God who leaves. Scripture promises us, I will never leave or forsake you. Jonah's the one who's left, but he even, even in Joseph's, excuse me, Joseph, even in Jonah's leaving, we see God doesn't give up or quit on Jonah. So, Jonah, it says, he went down to Joppa. All right, that's a port where he finds a ship bound for the, bound for the port towards modern-day Spain. Then the Lord sends a great wind on the sea. Now, this is, this is unique. He gets on a boat, a bunch of sailors on the boat, sailing on this ship, headed in the direction where he wants to go far away from where God's asked him to go. But because of his waywardness, because he tells God, forget you, he brings problems to everybody around him. So he jumps on this ship. All of a sudden, God recognizes my boy is going the wrong direction. I'm going to shape things up. Right? God, God comes after us, pursuing us, not because he's mad, not because he hates us. He loves us. But sometimes it's windy. Sometimes the road's bumpy. Not because God wants it bumpy for us, but because sometimes we bring it on ourselves. But God brings the wind God raises the sea, and, it's, and this is such a violent storm uh, that the ship is threatened to break up. Like, it's a, it's, the, the waves are pounding this old, rickety, wooden sailing vessel that everyone fears for their lives. Now, sailors aren't sissies on the water. I just want you to know that. Right? I, I've, I've gone fishing and gone on lots of boats before. The rookies on the boat are the ones that are more likely to get nervous, not the guys who have weathered storms and been out in the ocean. But these guys recognize we're about to go all in the drink if we don't solve something, we don't work hard at this. And it says all the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God. I love that God's bringing these guys to himself too, (laughs) right? Don't you know when the waves come and the winds come, what do we do? We cry out to God. So not only is God pursuing Jonah, God's pursuing the Ninevites, God's also pursuing the sailors, and they're all going, God, help us, we need you. So what do they do? It says they throw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Let me pause for a second It, it, it acknowledge something that you may already be thinking, that every decision that we make costs something. Am I right? Every decision costs something. Every wrong decision we make costs others something now i know this from from good past experience <laughs> i apologize i I, my, I think christy might have heard me i don't even remember you pay attention i had to apologize to my son yesterday over something really stupid we were playing xbox and he was winning and i didn't like it and so i'm like forget you i was done walked off i tossed the, the xbox controller because he was talking smack and, I, and I'm, I'm not like, like, this was not a blow up as anything, but I was like, I just totally handled that wrong. <laughs> I just like, he totally talked smack, and I was like, all right, pal, you think you're good? All right, race by yourself. I'm done. I, you know, you're not going to just, just squash me in the ground and make me feel like a loser on Xbox. And so I, I know this is embarrassing, but I'm admitting it. Okay, please, don't judge me. 
But I had to, I apologized to him later. But here, here, here's. But this is prime example. How big or how small is is all up to our stupidity at times. But here's here's the point: that when we make mistakes, it just does. It doesn't just affect us. When we blow it, man, there's consequences all around. And Jonah is blowing it, and he's the only one that knows. Really, he. It's like God's God's in his mind and his heart, and he's like. I'm running from God, and I think this one's on me. I think I'm the huckleberry here. I think I'm your huckleberry, right? So it says, at this point, Jonah didn't know what was going on. It says, but Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and fell asleep in, deep, in, in a deep sleep. So he, at this point, he wakes up and realizes, oh, my goodness, what a mess that I've gotten everybody into. So what I want to do is I want to jump into the remainder part of this story, and I want to throw out some stuff that you've got in your notes. Really asking the question, when you make a bad choice, you've blown it, what do you do to kind of get back on the, the straight and narrow? How, how do you kind of turn it around? Maybe you don't want to turn it around. Jonah, Jonah wasn't ready to turn it around at that point. I don't think he was. I don't think he, we see that in the, in the scripture that's coming up. But here's the thing. When you made a bad choice, we've got to go back to Hebrews 4.16. Here's what it says. When you've made a bad choice and, and Jonah's falling asleep and they're throwing things off the ship because all the winds and everything's coming, Hebrews says this, So let us then be reminded and continue to run with confidence or with confidence draw near to God the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. All right, so it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter who you've hurt or how many times you've hurt your, yourself by some stupidity or, or whatever. We can receive God's grace. We can receive His mercy and help in our time of need. In your notes, just, just jot this down. Be reminded to not let bad choices define you. I mean, this is huge. Just think of it. Jonah's already done. He's like, I made a bad choice. And now everyone's... Everything's falling apart, and it's a mess. Don't let bad choices define you. Notice Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a powerful verse. Concentrate on, the, I mean, let that one sink in. I mean, that's hard, that's hard to grasp when you get a little judgmental and, and prideful about how good you're doing right now. Ever done that? You're like, I'm doing pretty good, but look at that guy. Hey, hey wait, wait, wait up. There's no condemnation. No means none. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you're a believer and you've ever sinned since you've been saved, that means God loves you no matter what. That also means you didn't earn your right to be right with God. Jesus gave it to you when you bowed the knee and asked for his forgiveness. We're forgiven by him. It's all because of what he's done for us. Here's the second thing. Don't let bad choices disqualify you. I mean, I know what it feels like to feel like I'm not good enough to be my son's dad. I blow it all the time as a dad. I really do. I'm like, God, please help me. I, I just, I just want to be better at this. But here's the thing. We don't need to disqualify ourselves because we've blown it. How do I know this? Look at Scripture, Romans 8, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good 
for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. For a purpose. I'm called to be J.D.'s dad. How do I know that? Because I help make him. Because I'm his daddy. I'm supposed to be his daddy. So I mean, it's like, get back up. Say you're sorry. Admit you're an idiot. Over Xbox racing, right? Forza 7. That's what it was. All right? And, and understand that God wants to use you. So here's the thing. We may blow it. We may run away. But the Bible says God will never leave you or forsake you. And that's the story of Jonah. Here's this, here's like this song, this reckless love and grace of God that's pursuing Jonah, and he's running from God. He's giving God the finger and saying, forget you, I'm going to do my own thing. And now everybody's suffering because of it. It reminds me of this, this, uh, this video of this guy that, um, you know what, I think I got my notes I did. I got my notes a little rearranged. So before I get to the story, let me, let me, let me give you. I, I I went page one, page three. Can I give you page two of notes real quick? Can I do that? I don't know if anyone's tracking that in your notes. All right, but let me let me. When you've made a bad choice, let me give you number one first. Okay, take responsibility for your bad choice. All right, that's the first thing. You notice that. He 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 begins to realize I've made a bad choice. In Jonah one verse twelve, it says, "Pick me up." And throw me into the sea. So he's, 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 he's awake now. He recognizes I've blown it. He's like, hey guys, if this one's on me. I'm your cockleberry. Throw me out in the sea. He replies, and it will be calm. I know it's my fault that this storm has come upon you. So the very first thing we've got to do is get in the right, to get in the right place is to say, it's me. I've made the bad choice. And at this point, he's not totally ready to just to go where God wants him to go. In fact, this story doesn't even end well. He whines and complains all the way through. And even after God rescues the city of Nineveh, he's, he's complaining about it even at that point. But Proverbs says like this, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, a, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses them and forsakes them, what does it say? He gets another chance. I love that. I love it. So if you're a failure, uh, you've blown it, listen to, I love this, John Wooden, the UCL, UCLA uh, head coach, basketball coach for all these years, says this, you're not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. <laughs> Good stuff. So God sends this massive fish. After they throw them overboard, and when I was a kid, I started thinking, I used to remember thinking, that was just terrible, that this fish swallows Jonah. And I'm like, which is worse, drowning or getting swallowed by the fish? I don't know. But either way, you slice this, this is what's amazing about God. He gets thrown overboard, but God sends a fish to rescue Jonah. Now, it's not, it doesn't feel good. Sometimes when God's pursuing you and you've blown it, sometimes the aftermath, there's consequences to it. But God will do whatever it takes to pursue us, and God sends a fish to swallow Jonah, rescue Jonah, and then spit him up up on the beach. Now, I know this. When he's standing up on the beach, Joker doesn't smell good. I don't know if he's got half an eye hanging off because, like, digestive juices. But I also feel bad for the fish. That fish... Can't eat for three days. Nothing comes in and nothing goes out for three days. You know what I'm saying? 
So that fish swills, swim, swims around, and he's got like a, a dude inside of him. So he's ready to like, let's get rid of Jonah, okay? So picture Jonah on the beach and recognize this. Hey, he's ready to take responsibility for his bad choices. I admit it. Throw me overboard. He does that. The second thing we notice, that from the belly of that fish he repents. Notice Jonah 2.9. It says this. What I have vowed I will make good. You know what happens next? Essentially, he repents and acknowledges, I've got to turn away from my bad choices that I make. So first you take responsibility. If you want to, you want to get out of your mess, you want to start pursuing God and saying, God, I'll go where you want me to go. Take responsibility for your bad choice. Then repent and turn away from the bad choices you've made. Bruce Wilkerson says this. He says, repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. That's good. That's real good. Repentance means I'm going to turn away from and go towards God, and I'm repenting, which really is changing your mind so deeply that it changes you. Acts 3.19 says it like this. Repent, then, and turn away or turn towards God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So Jonah turns towards God and towards Nineveh. And here's the, here's the last point I want to make about this. When we're turning back towards God, we've got to, we've got to embrace God's grace. I mean, it's hard to do. When you're mad at yourself, when, you, you, when you're admitting, like, I fail, when you can get to that point, and you can recognize, hey, I'm the one who made this. I'm the one who's blown it. We've got to, at that point, embrace God's grace. Notice Jonah three one says, "Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time." That's grace. He's blown it. He's gotten thrown up on the beach. He's like, ah, God, I'm I'm in, and God still pursues him. So, we've got to draw near to God. Don't let bad choices define you. Don't let bad choices disqualify you. There's a video of a guy that we're going to show you in just a second. A 22-year-old young man who, his name's Eric, that partied, partied, partied one night, drank a whole bunch with his buddies, and then decided to leave where they were going and be the driver to go wherever they were going to go. And uh, he killed two girls. I'm going to share this story with you because I want us to look at this guy's story but what happens to him i think oftentimes happens to us when we can't forgive ourselves god steps in check this out when i came to in the midst of all the airbag smoke and the radiator hissing glass was everywhere an officer comes over and he was like what happened what happened he asked me had i been drinking i told him i had and at that point the lights are coming on and i'm seeing this car and I'm seeing people frantically working around the car. And I see them actually bring white sheets out. And I'm thinking to myself, what's really going on here? And they said, you don't want to be responsible for this. And I said, responsible for what? And that's when he looked at me and he said, there's two girls that are dead in that car over there. To take responsibility for the death of two 20-year-old girls who had their whole life ahead of them, I didn't want to be responsible for it. I didn't know what life from that moment forward would ever offer me ever again. 
I was a 24-year-old kid facing a minimum of 20 years, and I was scared. They said, you can't look at the families. You know, I said, well, I need to say sorry to them. And they said, you can't say you're sorry. And I said, what do you mean they lost their kids? They lost their daughters. And they said, well, listen, if you want 20 years in prison, then you go out there and you tell them you're sorry. And just go out there and sit at the table and pay attention to the papers on the table or the judge. That's what I did. Here I was in this very dark world and my mom drops the Bible off and I'm thinking to myself, it's probably too late for me. And that's when another inmate comes over and he starts talking to me. He said, do you believe in, in God? And I said, well, you know, I believe in God, but I don't really think he wants to have a relationship with me right now. And he said, well, that's where you're wrong. We started reading the word a little bit and that's when I came across Genesis 50, 20. They intended to harm you, but God intended it for good for what is being accomplished, the saving of many lives. When I first read that scripture, it gave me a lot of hope. The chaplain came by, we went down to a holding cell, and I gave my life to Christ. On October 3rd, I was brought back to court for sentencing. Hearing each person come up and talk and address the judge and me, it was heart-wrenching. And then Renee, Megan's mom had the ability to look over to me and say, I forgive you. Here was this mother who lost her daughter looking at the guy who took that from her and saying that I forgive you. I was so young in Christ at that point that there was still some doubt. Are you sure, God, that you can still accept me? Are you sure that I can be forgiven. And then she spoke it. I just, I fell apart. I'm always sorry to the families for what I've done. I've caused so much pain. There's nothing I can do. I've asked God to help me. And he has, but that's not going to bring Megan and Lisa back. I wish I could. I would give my life. I would honestly give my life. I wrote him letters, and I made a phone call to Megan's grandmother, and she told me that Renee was there. I knew in my heart that it was my fault. I needed her to hear me say that. And so I told her, I said, Renee, I just want you to know that I take full responsibility for what I did that night. It was what she needed to hear. In August of 2006, we come into this courtroom. It was a very brief hearing. It's called a beggar's motion. No law is discussed. You simply beg for mercy. These families had come to a motion on my behalf. You would expect my family to do that, but then the families, Megan and Lisa's parents and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, it was like, holy cow, they're supporting that. Even if the judge says no, the blessing's already been given. And the judge came back. He said, on recess, I read something and it was in Micah 6.8. Oh man, what does the Lord require of thee? But to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. He said, I have never in my life seen anything like this. Mr. Smallridge, these families have come here to try to give you a second chance at life. 
So I'm going to run these sentences concurrent. Megan and Lisa, if I could say one thing to them, it would be that they were God's angels being used for a purpose, that their lives are just as magnificent now as they were then, that they are still affecting people's everyday life. Without receiving forgiveness, you can't move forward. There is no hope. If we don't forgive self, or receive forgiveness from the things we've done in our past, we have to still accept it from Christ and to know that as long as we turn away from those actions and as long as we walk the walk that is approved in God's eyes, that we are truly forgiven. Is that a crazy story or what? I don't know if you ever heard of it before, but I was moved by it this week, reading about Jonah because I thought, he's, he's Nineveh, right? He's that wicked person, and the family is stuck in this difficult place where why in the world would you want to come after this guy and forgive this guy? Do you guys recognize that he served 11 years, but in that time that he served, the family files a motion the beggar's motion, whatever it's called, and they pursue grace to offer this guy their forgiveness and grace. They've, since he's been out of jail, uh, the family are now engaged with Eric in a ministry where they go to schools, share this story, and and talk about drinking and driving. I mean, they, they wrapped their arms around this guy and forgave himself. He says his greatest struggle was not accepting their forgiveness, but accepting his own forgiveness. He couldn't forgive himself. And he said the only thing that was able to change his heart was recognize that God forgave him. Isn't that crazy? That is, that is they are God's reckless pursuit of grace. Here's, here's, here's the message. I know there's a little bit of notes left in your worship, guys, if you, you recognize that. If you need those, I can get those to you at the end. But I, I want to wrap this up with just saying this. All of us have some Jonah in us. All of us have made some mistakes. I don't know if there there might be people in this room today, maybe there is, that you've got a mistake that's cost you consequences as big as that. There probably probably is some people like that this morning. Maybe yours is worse. Maybe yours is less. But we all find ourselves in Jonah's shoes where we've said, God, I, I want to do my own thing. But here's the truth of the matter. It does not matter how far you've gone. We're always going to run into our frailty. We're always going to run into our our sin nature. We're always going to run into mistakes we've made. Here's the thing we've got to remember. God loves us and pursues us no matter what. And what he hopes for us is once you run into that place where you're like, okay, I'm I'm either broken beyond belief or I've come to a realization that I'm jacked up and I'm a sinner, is this. God wants us to recognize that we're all saved by His grace. Nothing that I can do to win God's love by being good enough. None of us are that good. That guy figured out that 
<laughs> that he's that he's a loser, like we should all get to the place, but get to the place where God we recognize that God loves us no matter what. So here's the thing. Some of you feel disqualified. Some of you feel like you're discarded. If you're breathing again today, God wants to use you. Some of us today, you might need to understand what Eric understood, what Jonah understood, and that's this. God forgives you. God forgives you. And some of you today might need for the very first time to say to God, will you forgive me? I want to receive your forgiveness. Last hour we had two people that said, I want to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of my life. And I just want to ask, if that would be you today, that you would say, I'm Jonah, or there's a piece of me or parts of me like Jonah, and today I want to ask for God's forgiveness in my life, and I want to surrender my heart to him today. I want to turn from my old ways. I want to start pursuing Jesus, and I want to make him the leader and forgiver of my life. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes just for, for a moment and ask anyone in this room that would say, Jeff, that's me today. By a raise of hands, you would say, Jeff, would you pray for me? I won't call you out, but Jeff, pray for me. I want to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of my life. Anyone like that here in this hour? Jeff, that's me. Just simply raise your hand. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I want forgiveness, and I'm asking God to save me today. Yes, let me pray for you guys. Lord, we, we celebrate the fact that you, you leverage stories like Jonah's. You leverage stories like ours to lead us all back towards you. God, I thank you for, for, for people today that are hearing your voice, that are recognizing your love, and that are on their knees in their hearts right now saying, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me, and I want you to be the leader and forgiver of my life. God, I'm turning from my stuff, my junk, my frailties, and I want to be strengthened and saved and forgiven through you. I, I, Lord, I, I think it's so amazing how you wrote this Bible, the pages of this scripture, and, and how even Jesus spoke of Jonah and talked about him being in the belly of the whale for three days and how he was, uh, how he was spewed out of the mouth. God, it, it's such a picture of what Jesus did for us. Here, you were thinking of a rescue in Jonah's days by sending your son Jesus. And God, even in this moment, you're thinking of a rescue for us and what Jesus did. He was in the belly of the earth for three days. And God, because of your strength, because of your power, after he took on the sins of the world and died in our place, you resurrected him from the dead, proving that you're God and showing us that we can have not just forgiveness, but life in Christ. So Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you that Jesus didn't die in vain, but he rose from the dead, paid the most amazing price for our lives and then prove to us that God loves us and he gives us hope and life by raising Jesus from the dead. So Lord, we praise you. We thank you for the story of Jonah today. And God, I praise you for those who've made you leader and forgiver of their lives. God, for the rest of us, help us to recognize that we want to live our lives with you, not apart from you. So God, remind us of who we are in you and lead us all back towards you today. In your name I pray, amen.
You guys can go ahead and stand with us. I'm going to invite our host teams to come forward. We're going to close with an offering. Let me just say thank you, church, for your generosity. I, I thank our, our last hour of, of folks that were here. And I want to say many of you inquire week after week. We've had people say, hey, we don't talk a whole lot about money in here. We do every now and then. We talk about church financials and uh, just where we're headed and things like that. But I just want to say thank you for what you do. And many of you have asked, hey, we don't talk about money a lot. How do I give? We, we have ways you can give online. We have, we have the bucket that will come around. You'll see the buckets that will be passed in just a moment. But let's just, let's just acknowledge this. What you do makes a difference. And every week we take up an offering, we're both stewarding those funds for our future as a church, but we're also being generous with those funds. We serve people. We serve communities. We serve this community. We use our resources in, in global crisis events. We store up for those, those rainy day things. And we, we give to missions. We help plant churches. And that's all because of what you do. So thank you for that. Thank you for generosity. And if you're a guest today and a bucket comes by, hey, just know you can be our guest today. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for your generosity to us. us and thank you for giving your life. In your name I pray, amen.